Welcome to the Black Sheep of the Storytelling Family, Story Story Late Night, where you hear true stories on a theme recorded live on stage and without notes. I'm the slammer that just missed shaming or sharing my story, Michelle Bartlett. On this podcast, we separate the truth from the lies on Liar Liar, held on June 27, 2017, at the Visual Arts Collective in the Live Work Create District of Garden City. During the slam, we randomly drew names from a cookie jar, and they made a real hot mess of it on our stage for a five-minute story. Except me. I just got to come up and read this intro. God damn it. It's story time. And the story you're not going to hear was about the time that I was in a doctor's office with Dr. Big Hands. Everybody give it up for Bean. <laughs> well, you know me as Bean, but I'm really Jeannie Peterson. And uh, I've kind of told the story before, but it's kind of a lie of omission. I was married to Danny Peterson, one of the founding members of the Idol Shakespeare Festival Woo! Theater at the Morrison Center, named after him, and and uh, well, in oh, in uh, we met in 1977, first year of the Idol Shakespeare Festival, but and I'm a nurse, and I was or was, 40 years, I was working in the adult intensive care unit. And I'd gone to uh, Sun Valley for this nursing conference with this Stephanie Sedlock woman, wonderful, brilliant woman. First critical care, you know, was until 1968. Little people remember that. 1975, critical care medicine was pretty, pretty new. So it was really exciting, and, and they went to it. So I go to Sun Valley. Well, of course, I stay in Haley because it's cheaper. And uh, she was in. Uh, in Sun Valley. So I looked her up and uh, got connected with her and her boyfriend and then we went into Haley for the night. Well, she drinks tequila. Oh my God, cannot keep up with this woman. And uh, on the, to take them back to Haley, or to Sun Valley, my 1971 Oldsmobile F85 that I got for graduating from high school wouldn't start, the battery's dead. Had that until 19, 2008. Yeah. Good American iron. And they said, well, we'll call a taxi. Well, they got a taxi at 2 a.m. in Haley. Who'd have thought? And it's winter. It's January. And uh, I said, well, I could walk, you know, the home. I'll, I'll get a ride. And two guys came out of Slavey's about that time, which is a bar that used to be across uh, where the moose places in, in Sun Valley now, and it's a pretty hip place. And I said, hey, if you saw a girl like me on the street corner, would you give her a ride home? They said, sure. I said, see, I'll get home. So I went back into the bar, <laughs> met green-eyed Raleigh Flores, tall, dark, oh my God. So we, you know, kind of hooked up and we're walking. Well, my car won't start. Well, I'll take you home. And as we're walking to the car, and he has a little Volkswagen Beetle. And I thought, well, he's got to be okay. He's got a little Beetle. Rapists don't drive Beetles. I didn't know about Ted Bundy at the time. <laughs> didn't know about that, or that would have changed things totally. Totally. Yeah. But as we're driving towards Bellevue, not, you know, where I was, I'm not going home. You want to go home? I guess not. 
So, and I think he was the cocaine dealer in Sun Valley. Came out with a prescription bottle, like half full. Like, at the time, I wasn't doing that. Still don't. Uh, uh, but he did turn me on to Boss Gags, which I'll always be grateful for that. But he also gave me the crabs. So I go home. Danny and I are just starting to date, you know, and, and stuff. Well, in the meantime, Danny's gone to a hooker. Didn't even know in 1977 there were hookers in Boise, but there are, I guess. Or there were. Still probably are, I'm sure. And he got an STD from that, but also got craps. So he comes to me with, um, I got this problem, I got this STD. He's, he's got a bottle of quail. And uh, he fesses up that he's got craps. I don't ever tell him that. <laughs> well, I do too. <laughs> and I never, ever, and he gave me the quail. Oh, I'll, I'll be sure to use it. And I'd already used it. And uh, I never told him that I gave him crabs instead of him giving me crabs. We were together for 30 years, married for almost 27, never told him. So when you go to the Idol Shakespeare Festival and you sit on his commemorative branch or you see the rock with the first A Midsummer Night's Dream cast member, or you're at the Morrison Center and you're at his theater at the, uh, at the Morrison Center and you see the Danny Peterson, please don't think of him as that Boy, was he duped by his wife for all those years. Thank you. We're going to hear from Luke next. Where's Luke? Well, hello. My name's Luke. Thank you for having me. I came here with my girlfriend tonight and didn't plan on doing this. So this is fun. Uh, so the story I told, because she entered for me, so I thought, well, what story am I going to tell, is about when I uh, helped get Donald Trump elected, working for his campaign. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> uh, I am from Russia, though. <laughs> no, I'm going to tell a story about love and my girlfriend's love for me. I listened to some of the other stories tonight, they were great, and they made me think, you know, all is fair in love and war. That was a joke. Um, <laughs> so I thought to myself, you know, why does my girlfriend like me? What is it that, that I do for her? So we were talking in the back of the room just now, and uh, I said, well, honey, I think it's uh, looks, power, and money is the reason why women fall in love in general, especially you, but... Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but women in general, but even Sigmund Freud, the first analyst of love, even he said, I don't know what women want. So I figured out maybe it's looks, power, money. So today, I started to win over my girlfriend's love even more uh, by going to the gym, pulled a hip flexor. <laughs> but, you know, we're working on it, we're working on it. And then I worked 
as well. I don't want to get into the details of my work, but you know, we do live in an economic society, so have to make money. But uh, love isn't for sale. It is for rent, though. <laughs> and then power. And this is the perfect opportunity for power, you know, to get up on this stage and have this audience. So I'm working on all three factors. But as I'm looking back there, I can feel her looking this way. So <laughs> despite my efforts of working on my fitness, working on my finances, and then being up here, I think I've come to the conclusion that it's my inner beauty that she is in love with. True or false? Everybody give it up for Casey. Okay, so there's some things that, sometimes where lies are good, there's other times where lies are bad. I hate to make a choice of these things, but like sometimes when your girlfriend is just too drunk, you have to order pizza and you have to lie to her. So the woman directly in front of me with a camera, <laughs> it was the first lie ever told to her. Maybe the second. I don't know who's to say. Anyway, um, so uh, we started off our relationship about five years ago. Uh, just, I mean, really, like, just really into each other, high dynamic, everything, like, around each other 24 hours a day. There were times where we drank too much, and there were times where we had to order food for that to just make, every, make everything okay the next day. So there, the thing is, she's a very, very stubborn woman, very powerful, strong woman, very good with cameras. Uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the first time I lied to her, <clears throat> She decided to be stubborn about not eating food when she was way, way, way too drunk and I had to wake up at five o'clock in the morning. So the way I did it was by convincing her that if you don't eat breadsticks by the next day, they go bad. <laughs> Specifically pizza breadsticks. Hopefully there's not a pizza representative around here because I'm not sure if I can actually drop that name. But. So anyway, I convinced her she ate the whole thing. She felt great. She had a great shift, amazing times. So I am also not like necessarily like the most willing person to eat while I'm drunk also. So maybe two, three weeks down the road, she came to me and was like, you know what? I ordered some food for you, Casey. I have some breadsticks and you know, they're not good the next day. And with my first lie, I told my first, like, blind truth to her. I looked at her and said, you know what? That was a lie. Breadsticks are great all the time. I ate them. We ate them. Our love is forever. And that's, that's the greatest lie I've told in my relationship. Here comes Megan, you guys. Give her a big round as she makes her way to the stage. Megan Kittredge. So this isn't a story about a lie so much as it is a story about a stressed out brain that goes into um, 
automatic pretending to be English. Um, so I have a tendency to really embrace the awkward and love that part of myself so much that it doesn't go away. And it is most highlighted on a trip to Chipotle, as most things are. Um, I, I went to the Chipotle, pulled in, happened to arrive at the same time I saw across the parking lot as a, a fairly good-looking gentleman. Bonus. Um, he got to the door before I did, and like a true gentleman, he held the door open for me. And instead of saying, thank you, or hello, I said, oh, thank you, kind sir, and, and went full English accent. Um, and then as I'm waiting in line, my brain decides it would be weird to pretend to have a British accent when you said hello. You should do this the entire time. <laughs> and so I did. Um, burrito bowl, black beans. The entire order, terrified that the man behind me would realize that I'm not a British transplant to Boise, Idaho. <laughs> that in fact, I have a weird tick where I stress out into a British accent. <laughs> Thank you, Downton Abbey. <laughs> I can only conclude that the staff at the Chipotle, as well as the person behind me, knew that I was not British. <laughs> and knew that I also knew that guacamole was extra. <laughs> that is the thankfully last time it's been British, but not the last time I've made the lie of pretending to have an accent that I do not. <laughs> Thank you. All right, I have, looks like St. James. It's 2008. I'm back from my junior year, summer, off of college. I live in town, work in town, like to drink in town. Well, I go on ahead, catch a ride with some boys to the local brewery two miles from my place. It's excellent, right? However, on my way over there, I had to stop and think. And this memory is important because it took me the entire Saturday afternoon to recuperate myself, just to go out and have a couple of drinks. Because Friday, our boy that runs a bar nearby recently had an excess of pickled eggs. So we got into a pickled egg eating contest. <laughs> sure enough, sure enough, right? I didn't win, but you know what? I did my damnedest, and I didn't throw up like the winner, pussy. So <laughs> like, yeah. Well, the following day is just a consortium of all the pink things I can find that are just Pepdol, Bismol, tablets. I turned about pills. I went to just anything and everything of the whole nature. But I recuperated. And it is Saturday evening. I've showered. I'm ready to go out. We got some boys, some girls to meet up. And 
Prior to heading out for the evening, I knew there's a little bit of fire around my ring, right? There's just, there just was. Like, they're just, like, let's not, let's be honest. Like, I put down six and a half, five and a quarter, let's be, tr okay, but a lot of eggs. So I looped the bearing, right? You just take a little bit of Vaseline. This is some normal WebMD shit, right? You grab that and then you just, you scoop just a little, just a little, you reach behind, you bend, you wipe properly, but then you just loop the bearing real quick and trust me, your, your fire will be contained. It will be contained, suppressed for a moment, right? And I'm stoked, right? I'm stoked, I'm all, I'm all fired up to go out and have some drinks and all this, you know, I'm back. So we go out to the Brewforia, and this is a suburb town, right? totally suburb. We have a couple boys, but there's a couple cougars hanging out, doing their thing, showing it off, you know, dressed well, probably have a nice car, you know, it's great. So 2 a.m. comes, and there's been this girl doing some eyes on us, right? And I'm talking to her, and she's like, yeah, she's like, how are you doing? I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm back in town, it's cool, it's cool, it's all good. She says, well, how are you getting home? I was like, well, I, I'm not far. I'm just going to walk. It's about a mile. She goes, let me, let me take you riding my Lexus. Go, oh, all right, all right, all right. All right, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, totally. Yeah, let's hop on in. So we head on down a mile. And this is midsummer. It's hot. Yes, her Lexus was nice, and there's some cool seats. Like, i got to be honest, I enjoyed it. We pull up in front of my parents' home, because again, I'm in college and whatnot, and this is, I told her up front, this is what's going on. She says, well, you know, it's a nice out. Why don't you just roll down the windows? I agree. And then there's some kissing. Leans over, she starts kissing a little bit, and she starts getting a little bit lower. I'm like, yeah, all right, right on, right? She gets just a little bit, she's getting a little bit lower. But the thing was, is she started getting a little awkwardly low, so I started to have to lift a leg. Like, so I'm lifting my, my, my left leg because I'm over on the passenger side and she's still going low. So I actually do a semi-Spider-Man move and swing one leg into the back seat. And I have one leg in the front seat. All windows are down. My ass is bare. I'm in front of my parents' home. And this young lady has not stopped licking. It is continuing. And I encourage all of this, right? And she reads to the epicenter. And I stop, because everything was feeling good until something was off. So I uh, have this complete butterfly moment, flashback memory, right to where I was like, I can't believe I'm leaning in my bathroom, putting some Vaseline up on my cornhole. And I lose my erection immediately. Like it was not hot. Like this was all not hot. Things are not going well. They just not, I'm gonna just sit back down. I understand I did a Spider-Man move earlier, but it's just not, it's not working out. And we sit there and I gotta give her a lot of spirit. She gets like team spirit award as far as her efforts to regain any sort of, any, you know, all the, all the, all the features she had available. It just, it just didn't work. So 
I eventually had to step out of the car, and I was like, well, this was, this was a really great evening. I, I really appreciate uh, everything about this, and, uh, you know, I just don't think we're going to talk again. <laughs> the end. Thanks for listening. Story Story Late Night is brought to you by our story party, Amy Moran, Karis Kimball, Anime Schaefer, Karen Moore, Bob Haycock, and me, Jody Eichelberger, with big-time support from the Robert Rauschenberg Foundation. This project is supported by public funding for the arts through the Idaho Commission on the Arts, the Idaho Legislature, and the National Endowment for the Arts. Thank you to our season sponsor, Over 19 Adult Shop, and the Liar Liar Show sponsor, Wildflower Bakery. The Story Story Late Night theme song is by Ned Evett, with podcast production by Stephen Baltasari, featuring live music from the Bitter Greens. Support this storied program, find upcoming shows, and stay tuned at www.storystorynight.org or on SoundCloud, Facebook, and Twitter at Story Story Night.